you know, we've all been cooped up. You end up watching a show, you're binge watching a show. It's now 1247 and you're on episode six of season 10. And that's just become your habit. Hey everyone, welcome back to On Purpose, the number one health podcast in the world. Thanks to each and every single one of you. I want to take a moment, as always, to just pause and say thank you. I am so grateful for the love you gave to the Alexis Wren podcast, the Matthew Hussey podcast. They were two incredible conversations and you turned up. You've made us one of the most globally not just nationally, but globally top-ranked podcasts. And that wouldn't be possible without all your support, without all your sharing, without you telling your friends, your family. I bump into you all the time and I'll hear people say, my family just told me about your podcast. My friend just told me about your podcast. And I even hear people still say to this day, gee, I didn't know you had a podcast. I'm like, wow, it's amazing how much it matters that you tell people and you share this. So I want to thank you because I see that. I see you engaging, I see you starting conversations, and I hope you see me trying to share as many of your posts about the podcast as possible. I go through Instagram and Twitter regularly to see what you're learning and what you're feeling, and I love seeing all the incredible things that come out of that. Now, today I wanted to talk about the seven early signs of burnout and seven simple and practical ways to heal and recover. And what really prompted this for me is I started to realize that most of us wait too long to deal with burnout. We wait for too much to go wrong to deal with burnout. We wait till things are really difficult and really challenging before we truly respond to burnout. And I want to stop that culture. I want to end that culture where we wait till things are so difficult and I've seen people, I've worked with people, I've experienced people crawling their way back to their health, which is possible, by the way, it is always possible. But why make it that hard for yourself? And I've realized that in my life, I've been at that point as well. I've experienced complete burnout where I was in bed for 14 hours a day. I was completely energyless. I couldn't even have proper eye contact with someone. And that was many, many years ago now. But now when I think about it, I've noticed that I've got good at noticing early signs of burnout. And that's what I want to help you with today. It's how, what are those early signs? What are those signs where you're not even convinced you're burnout? You just feel, oh, it's nothing. I'm fine. How many of you right now are listening to this going, Jay, I'm fine. I don't even know if I need this episode. I'm not even sure this is right for me. Well, I promise you, that this episode is going to be so useful even if you don't feel burnt out because that's the point. We wait too long. We wait till too much is wrong to actually make a change. Now, I was reading some really interesting studies and one particular one by Winona State University on burnout. They said that they found that the average professional experiences burnout by the age of 32. Now, whether you're younger than 32, and I know a lot of you are, and whether you're older than 32, the point is that the average professional is going to experience it by age 32. So 
whether you're beyond that age or whether you're before that age, know that you've either experienced it, obviously you already know that, or you're someone that is about to experience it as well. And therefore this is going to be really powerful. Now, Winona State University and thekarma.com came up with what they call the five phases of burnout. So I want to share this from their research because I think they're really important. They said that the first stage of burnout is the honeymoon phase. And you're thinking, how does that make any sense? Like, how does that resonate? Well, they're actually saying that sometimes you start a new job, you start a new task, you start your own company, and you feel this adrenaline. You feel like you're thriving. You feel a sense of energy. And what ends up happening is that we create, they say, coping strategies, right? So even if there are stresses and tensions, you're almost like, oh, I can deal with this. I got all these new colleagues. I'm in this new office. I'm, I'm in this new role. I'm fine. I'll be okay. I've done this before. And you focus on your job. You focus on the task. You're optimistic and you have high productivity levels. And this is beautiful, by the way. Like I love hearing that human resilience is strong, that we start this way. And I would encourage you to start this way. The problem is our human mind does something weird where we convince ourselves that if we start this way, it's going to end that way if we keep doing the same thing. So we think if we keep doing the same thing over and over again, that we're going to get the same result. That's not always true, especially when it relates to our energy, when it relates to burnout, because there's a beautiful statement by Abraham Lincoln, and it goes something like this. Give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. Notice the difference there. He's focused on sharpening the axe. He knows that if his tools are sharper, he'll be able to cut down more trees and cut them down quicker. I mean, if you wanted to cut down trees at all, but you get the point. Now, when we say, oh, I've just started a new thing. I feel good. It's going to last forever. What happens is you're not sharpening the axe. You're not sharpening the saw. And when you forget to sharpen the axe and sharpen the saw, that's the honeymoon phase because you keep doing the same thing over and over again. And now you're slowly going downhill rather than uphill. So that's phase one, according to the study. The second stage, they say, is called the onset of stress, right? The burnout starts, you get an awareness of it happening on some days more than others, and you start to feel like your optimism may be kind of going down. You start to feel those early anxieties, you start to feel fatigue, maybe you're forgetful. A lot of people, for them, burnout is the experience of forgetfulness. They forget to do a task, they forget a particular detail in a meeting or a presentation, uh, maybe their productivity is starting to drop. So that's the second stage. Now, usually at this stage, most people try and muscle through, right? We say, it's okay. I can deal with this. I've still got this. I can manage. Maybe I'll sleep in a bit. Maybe it's just, you know, maybe, you know, I'll be fine. I'll be fine, right? And we almost sometimes come up with excuses where we actually stop ourselves from taking it seriously. Now, what ends up happening is that while this escalates in the background and it can accelerate quite fast, it leads to what they call the third stage, which is chronic stress. And this, they say, is marked by a change in your stress levels, right? So instead of feeling motivated and enthusiastic, 
you're now feeling that chronic exhaustion. Now, if you've ever felt this, you know you know what I'm talking about. I've experienced this before. I literally was in bed for 14 hours a day. I literally didn't feel like getting out of bed. This is now about eight years ago. And no matter how much I ate, no matter how much water I drank, I just didn't feel good, right? I didn't feel the energy that I needed and wanted to have. You may feel out of control. You may feel pressured. You may feel threatened or put in a corner. You may start seeing physical illness. I often find that when we don't process a lot of this stuff mentally, it can come out physically. You get the flu, you get a cold, you have a worn down immune system. You're starting to really feel the negative effects. And hopefully, if you haven't already by this time, this is where you turn to for help. But stage four, as they say, is burnout itself. And this is where the symptoms become critical. It starts affecting your behavior. You start feeling that chronic headache, chronic stomach, or gut problems as well. You might start to feel things like self-doubt. You may have this feeling of emptiness inside. And then finally, stage five, they say, is habitual burnout, right? This is the repetitive pattern, the repetitive system. And now you start to experience chronic sadness, maybe even depression. So if you're someone who's experienced any of those five stages, and what I'd love for you to do right now is I'd love for you to map out which stage you think you're in. So are you in the honeymoon phase? Are you in the onset of stress? Are you at chronic stress? Are you at burnout or are you at habitual burnout? Because I want you to be really, really aware and based on your own diagnosis of yourself, I want you to speak to a friend, a therapist, a coach, a doctor, explain to them what you're going through right now because it just saves you from so much more hassle and stress in the future. There are so many times in my life where I've said, I'm fine, it's going to be okay, and then you live to regret that in the future. I don't want you to feel that way and I don't want anyone in your life to feel that way. Maybe you're listening to this because you care about someone who's going through this. So the first thing I want you to do is write down which phase you're in. I'll say them again, honeymoon phase, onset of stress, chronic stress, burnout, and habitual burnout. And if you want to see the real symptoms, head over to thisiskarma.com and type in five stages of burnout and you will find this breakdown of the Winona State University research. So what I'm going to share with you in this podcast today are some of those early signs and what you can do for each one of them. So these are practices that I've created for the early signs that I often feel. The reason that I've focused on the early signs is so that you can be truly proactive. So the first sign is, of course, fatigue. You're starting to feel tired at things that you used to find easy. For me, I start to notice this when I'm playing tennis or when I'm on a hike. And the way to notice this is not just how you feel overall, it's where did you used to feel energized until? So I know when I play tennis for an hour, I know that the first 30 minutes, I'm full of energy and the second 30 minutes, I'm slightly lower. Now, if I went to tennis one day and I found only at 15 minutes of energy, that would show me that I'm feeling greater fatigue, right? So you want to make it measurable. You want to make it something you know. For example, I go on a hike in the mornings that I don't play tennis. It's about 45 minutes, the hike that I do. And I know that there's a specific elevation a couple of times that if I find that easy, I know I'm feeling good. If I find it hard, I know that I'm feeling greater level of fatigue. So fatigue isn't just something like, oh, today I feel tired. Because you may feel tired one day and that's totally normal. But fatigue is truly experienced when you're doing the same thing as you usually do 
and you feel more tired. So maybe you're feeling more tired by 3 p.m. than you usually are on an average day, and that pattern seems to last for the whole week. We all have off days. We all have days that we don't feel quite right. You're spotting a pattern. That's your focus. You're really trying to find a pattern. Now, I want to share with you some of the things that I've been doing. One of the things I recently realized, which was really big news to me, is I started to realize that often when we feel fatigue, we think a lot of it's mental. We think a lot of it is because of our mind. Now, it may be, but what I recently discovered is that a lot of it was based on my vitamin D levels. And vitamin D is something you can get tested for. I highly recommend getting checked out for it. But I didn't realize what a big impact vitamin D had on my energy levels. So I started taking the MyKind Organic Vitamin D3 spray. And I literally, all I have to do is take it out once a day and spray it three times onto my tongue. And it's vegan, which is great. It's it's organic as well. And it's a great little thing that you can carry around if you need to carry around or you can keep it in your desk. And all I have to do is spray it once a day. And focusing on my vitamin D level has led me not only to judge myself less, and I think that was such a big thing that I was judging myself. I was like, oh, maybe I'm getting lazier. Maybe I don't love what I do anymore. Maybe I'm fatigued because I'm overworking. And I started to realize it wasn't because I was overworking because I'd even slowed down. I was working maybe a bit less. I was finishing earlier and I was still feeling tired. And I realized that that fatigue was coming from a lack of vitamin D. And I stopped judging myself. I went and got the spray. I started taking it and I'm starting to feel so much better. And what I found is that in those early stages of burnout, what we usually do is in those low states of energy, you end up resorting to carbs or sugar, right? It's so easy to reach for a sugary item, a carb item, a fat item to find that energy and you feel that fuel. You experience that fuel in the beginning, in that moment, but we all know that wears off. The other thing that I found super, super powerful, honestly, is the element electrolytes. They're salts, natural salts, that create an amazing impact on your body, especially to rehydrate faster straight after a workout. So I used to find that after a workout or after a hike, that's when I'd feel really drained. And obviously I'd want to shower to feel fresh, but also my body needed to revitalize. And again, it's so easy to reach for a protein bar packed with sugar or another type of cereal bar. And I used to think these bars were all healthy. And then you start looking at what's really inside of them. And I started to take the element electrolytes And they've been so powerful for me. So I wanted to let you know that if you're struggling with fatigue, of course, there are great tips on on other areas. But for me, doing these practical things, because maybe you're in a busy period and you can't slow down. Maybe you're you're just going through a really, really tough time now and you know that you need something that's going to help you through. So that's fatigue. The second one I want to focus on, which is linked to that, is poor sleep. So maybe you're feeling tired because you're not getting enough sleep. Now, looking at the research, research suggests that one in three people don't get good enough sleep. And when you really start looking at the stats, you find that about 30% of the U.S., said they usually get less than seven hours of sleep per night. And we know that seven to nine is the recommended amount. Now, I don't want you to judge yourself or feel pressure that you don't get that. 
I want to help you get more good quality sleep. And I can find myself, you can get into that pattern of, you know, we've all been cooped up. You end up watching a show, you're binge watching a show. It's now 1247 and you're on episode six of season 10. And that's just become your habit, right? That's just become your habit. And on top of that, this is something people miss. It's not just that you're up. It's that what you're watching is pumping cliffhanger chemicals. I call them cliffhanger chemicals because the cliffhanger in the show is pumping that anxiety, that excitement, that confusion, that intrigue, that curiosity into your body. So now when you're trying to sleep, your mind's activated, you're chemically activated because now you're on a cliffhanger. So not only are you getting no sleep, if you do get some sleep, you're getting poor quality sleep because it's plagued with anxiety. It's plagued with that nervousness of, oh, what's going to happen to that character next? Are they going to survive? Are they going to save that person? All of these shows are creating some anxiety because we thrive off of that. We want to know what happens next. So when I've been speaking to experts on the podcast and doing my own research, I learned recently from Ben Greenfield that pink noise, and you can search this online to find it, pink noise is a really healthy way to calm yourself and get a good night's sleep. I find listening to meditative music, I find that making sure, there are a few things here that I want to talk about. So one thing is sleep temperature. I've been finding that sleeping between 65 to 67 is really good for me. Now, yours may be different, but be careful if you're sleeping in too much heat. Most of us are probably sleeping at 70 or, or more, and you really want to get into that 65 to 67 bracket. Now, you may have an air purifier, which is a great idea. And if you don't have one, I highly recommend getting an air purifier because maybe the air is congested, maybe the air is not flowing. Another way maybe that you're not putting on sleep clothes. You're just in the clothes you've been wearing all day. You haven't put on a uniform almost to go to sleep, to feel that comfort in your bed. Another reason maybe that you're doing too much in your bed. You're always in your bed, working, eating, and sleeping, and now you've confused the energy of the space you're in. The reason why I'm throwing so many things at you is I want you to also recognize that sometimes it's not just inside of us, it's what's happening around us. I think for people who don't sleep, so often we judge ourselves and we think, oh my gosh, like I'm just, I'm struggling and I'm not doing this, and I'm not doing that right and I wish I slept earlier and I wish I woke up earlier and we're pressurizing ourselves, but actually it could be an external environment. Have you got blinds? Have you got curtains? A lot of people are sleeping with not only devices in the room with lights, but having light creeping in through one of the windows, whether it's a street light or whatever it may be. So I want you to think about how you can improve your sleep this week. If you're experiencing burnout, sleep can be the most healing and one of the most practical ways of getting yourself on the road to recovery and healing quicker. And I want you to think about what are the areas of your sleep that you haven't given enough attention to. Forcing yourself to try and go to sleep, we know doesn't work. What can you change in your environment? It may be that you have a relaxing cup of tea before you go to bed. It may be that you spray a certain scent that relaxes you and helps you breathe. I really believe practicing really good breathing techniques before bed 
is powerful. The 4-8 method works really well. Breathe in for a count of four and exhale for eight. When you exhale for longer than you inhale, you really slow down your body. You slow down your mind. The third early sign of burnout is brain fog. How many of you wake up and you just feel this fogginess? It's almost like looking out and seeing mist or fog in the air. You can no longer clearly see whatever you were able to see before. And for me, and I mentioned this in the last one, but a cup of tea has been my biggest antidote for brain fog. And usually it might be a lemongrass ginger or it could be a jasmine peach. I find that tea has been a really powerful way of really clearing my mind. And I find everything from the scent to the warmth to the taste to the color becomes a really mindful process. So as you know, Radhi and I have launched our own Sama teas because we found that when I wake up in the morning and I look at the color of the tea, I inhale it, I feel its warmth, and then I drink it, I find that it is so purifying for brain fog, for the search, for clarity. And again, it's simple, it's practical. A lot of us wake up this way and again, we start criticizing ourselves, we think we're stupid, we think we're not smart enough, but a simple antidote. Another thing that I want to share with you that has been huge for me, specifically with brain fog, and it's amazing because, so we do this on Saturday, me and Radhi, and on Friday night, I'll think to myself, oh, I don't want to go. And that's partly that burnout where you start going, oh, I don't want to go out. Oh, I don't want to do that. I just want to be lazy. I just want to sit in bed. That's when I'll feel better, right? How many of you experienced that? When you are burnt out, you naturally choose to just sit around thinking that that's making you better, but it's not energizing you. How many of you have slept longer but felt de-energized? How many of you have sat around in your home all day but felt more tired and less energetic? Those are early signs of burnout. And so in that situation, on Saturday, my wife and I have been going, Radhi and I have been going to uh, do a cold plunge and sauna cycle. So what's recommended is that you're spending about 10 to 15 minutes in a sauna and you spend three to seven minutes in a cold plunge based on what you can do. Now, the first time I heard this, I was like three to seven minutes in a cold plunge sounds crazy. And I remember doing it for three minutes. The first time I got in, it was really tough. I found it really painful. And the second time I did it, I only lasted 30 seconds the first time I tried it. And then I built up again. And now I've really built up where I'm able to do that consistently. And what I love about this is before I get in the cold, I don't want to get in. I'm not sure it's going to work. And I promise you, as soon as I get out of that cold plunge, I feel like the most alert, most clear, most cleansed person ever. It's, it's truly a remarkable feeling. And I've started doing it weekly. I'm thinking of starting to do it three times a week, if not more. And so I really highly recommend going and having an experience of doing a cold plunge. It may sound like the last thing you want to do, but if you're feeling that brain fog, and not just for that, I mean, doing a cold plunge is incredible for your body in so many ways. There's so much research to suggest why it's so powerful. Okay, early sign and indicator number four of burnout is low creativity. How many of you are struggling to be creative? How many of you are struggling to feel inspired? How many of you can't remember the last time you had a great idea or a unique idea or some sort of breakthrough? I know that I feel this way. And when I start feeling this way, I know that I need to change something because I love what I do. I love what I get to do. And that's why all of these themes, and I hope you're enjoying these last few episodes. I'm really trying to speak from personal experience of what I'm struggling with too. Like, 
I, I value myself because of how creative I can be and how relevant my research is and how much work I can do to serve you in these episodes. And when I'm sitting there sometimes and I'm like, I don't know what I want to talk about this week. I'm like, oh, well, well, what's going on here? Why am I feeling that way? And I figured out that when I feel that way, it's so important for me to take the next Saturday completely off. Take the day off to read, to listen, to think, to walk, to just disconnect. That is what I choose to do. I make sure that the next day I can get off, as soon as I can, I'm going to take it off completely to have a switch off day. Turn myself off, truly disconnect, and give myself space to read, think, absorb. Now, I'm giving you insights into particular signs of burnout which may work for you. The next one is agitated by small things. Oh, I know about this one. The amount of times I've been agitated at Radhi because I'm burnt out. And now every little thing makes me angry or agitated. How many of you have experienced that? And you don't know it's because you're burnt out. You think it's because the person's annoying you or they're doing something annoying, but usually I'd find it cute or entertaining. And all of a sudden I'm finding it annoying and agitating and frustrating because I've got an early sign of burnout. In that scenario, I realize I need a change of environment. I may change where I work from. I may change the room. I may work on a different desk. I find that allowing myself to break the monotonous routine really, truly helps. The other thing that really helps me with that is making less decisions that week. I feel like sometimes we pressurize ourselves to make decisions that we don't need to make. And I find that when I'm feeling agitated, I make bad decisions, I make hasty decisions. And so those are the times that I definitely avoid making decisions. And by the way, there is no decision that needs to be done today. You may even think it is, but this is why the last step, behavior pattern number five is important, is communicate. If I'm feeling burnt out, I'll say to Radhi, Radhi, you know what? I'm just feeling really burnt out right now. And so anything I re react with you, just know that it's not me. I'm just going through some stuff. And maybe if you really want my attention, just... Ask me later on to say, Jay, I really need to talk to you about this and can we talk about it? And I find that communicating that is such a superpower. Now, sign number seven is we want to avoid people. We want to avoid people. How many of you have started feeling like, oh, I don't want to be around anyone. I need to preserve my energy. I used to say that a lot. And I started to realize that wasn't me. I love being around people. And I'm an introvert, but I love and enjoy people's company. But I was avoiding it because I was feeling early signs of burnout. And I realized in that scenario, I did have to avoid people, but I had to do something more important. I had to sleep earlier and I had to spend time with small groups where I could learn to switch off. One of the craziest things is a lot of us spend time with people that we think we have to be on around. And that's what makes us drained. Whereas I started to realize that in my really close group of friends, I didn't have to be on. You shouldn't have to be on like you have to be on at work. You shouldn't have to be on like you're on if you do a career that's in the limelight or on stage or performance-based, right? You have to be surrounded by a group of people that you're not on around. And that's okay right? That's okay. So sleeping early and starting with small groups and surrounding yourself by people you don't need to be on around is a really powerful way to overcome that. And the seventh and final early sign of burnout that I wanted to cover is indecision. Maybe you're just being indecisive. You're not making a choice and it's going on and on and on. 
in those stages of burnout, I want you to seek a mentor or a coach, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a person, you know, you need someone in your life who doesn't answer the questions for you, who doesn't make your decisions for you, but they help you with these challenges. Too many of us are trying to solve everything on our own and deal with everything on our own. We need someone who can look at us and say, I think you deserve to take a break. We almost need to hear it from someone else sometimes. So those are the seven early signs of burnout and the seven simple and practical ways to help you heal and recover faster. I hope that you can apply these. I hope you're going to monitor and navigate more closely. And I hope you're going to pass this on to a friend. Thank you for listening to On Purpose. I'll see you again next week for some more incredible episodes and conversations. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. <laughs>